Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. It is wonderful to be with you here at Avent Hope this morning. I always find it a privilege to speak to the family of Avent Hope. I consider you my wonderful family, and to be able to break open God's Word and to study together is such a privilege. If you saw the sermon title, it's Launched into the Deep. Launch into the Deep. Isn't it interesting how we have categorical friendships? You know, we like to put people in categories. Well, this person is my study friends. Well, these are my only memory verse friends. Well, these are my church potluck friends. We have acquaintances, you know, the people we go by campus, or real quick to go by and say hi real quick. Then we have close friends. You know, those who we consider a close friend. If, if we need a ride to the airport, perhaps, we'd call them up. We need to borrow their truck to, to move things. Then finally, we like to have best friends, right? These are the ones where you tell your most intimate details with. Your, you share your, your secrets, maybe, of things, of maybe relationships, of trials, of tribulations. I want to submit to you today the difference between an acquaintance and a best friend is the amount of time you spend with them and how much you know about them. Let's bow our heads. Our Father in heaven, we want to greet you good morning. Lord, you have granted us another day, a Sabbath day at that. We hear the birds chirping. The sun is shining. You've put a hymn in our heart. And Lord, I ask that you send your Holy Spirit to, con- to descend upon your people. I pray that you fill me up, but first empty me out of self. Take away anything that could be a distraction to your message. Please, Lord, use my lips in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go in our Bibles today to Luke chapter 5. Probably one of my most favorite passages in all the Bibles, and you'll probably hear me say that a lot. So this is my new favorite for today. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, we're starting in verse 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, and give me permission by saying amen when you're there. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. If you don't mind, we'll be studying our Bibles this morning, amen? Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what the Bible says. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, I want to give some commentary of what I think what's going on here. I believe that Simon Peter... And Andrew had their own boat. Then James and John had their own boat. And if any of you know anything about fishing, when's the best time to fish? Late night or early morning. So either they've toiled all night or started maybe at midnight and have gone maybe till five or six in the morning. The bottom line is we look at these boats and there's no one in there. Now it's probably 8 or 9, maybe 10 in the morning. Jesus is walking and there are people who are following him. And there's such a good amount of people 
they're pressing upon him, he has this idea. Verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people of the ship. So now he has requested Simon, hey, can we use your boat? We're going to go out into the water, just the shallow area, and I'm going to teach them from this area. And so we see here that Jesus goes into the boat. Now notice this, what happens next? Verse 4. And when he was done speaking, so he's done speaking, let's just say the crowds are gone now. He tells Simon, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Now that word drought means for a haul, for a catch. In other words, Jesus is telling him, all right, we're in the shallow area. I want you to launch out into the deep. Now that word deep in Greek means bothos, means depth means a mystery. So he is now telling Simon Peter, hey, launch your boat, go into the deep area or go into the mysterious area and we're going to get a haul. And I love this part. This is the best part. Verse five. I can relate to Simon real well, you know. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing Nevertheless, at thy word, let down the net. Now, here in verse 5, there's a lot of content here that we're missing. I believe it went something like this. They're out into the, the you know, they're around the shallow area. Jesus is saying, let's go into the deep area. And take out your nets, put them down, and you're going to get a haul. And you know what Peter and, and Andrew probably said? They said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know how later on we have Peter, Peter, Peter. I believe it was probably the other way around. If I'm interpreting this correctly, it was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You stick to your carpentry stuff and you let us do the fishing. You see, we've toiled all night. We've tried all the places right next to you. If I, if I want to put it in the modern vernacular, if, if I was a fisherman, I would probably say, Jesus, you're standing next to the latest Garmin 550 navigation system the fish tracker system, and right next to you is those charts with all the places where the canals of fish come from. I've been fishing my whole life. I know this trade very well. We've, caught, we've done everything we could, and there's no fish out there. Now, for those of you who don't know how you're growing up in the Jewish society, what happened was this. It was every father's dream to have his son to be a Jewish scribe, scholar, or Pharisee. And you had to go through the top schools and you had to, to, to get it through through this hard process and you had to memorize so much portions of scripture. And if you failed and if you weren't good enough, what happened is you would be a school dropout. You were deemed a school dropout and then you know what would happen to you next? You'd have to go into the family trade of fishing, baking, carpentry, whatever it is. So we're looking at a bunch of dropouts. Who knows what age they dropped out at? And they here have been fishing their whole lives. Their fathers are fishermen. This is their family trade. They probably don't know very much about the Bible. They probably don't know very much about anything else except for fishing. And so here they're talking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're telling us to put your nets up. You're telling us to go into the mysterious area, the deep area. There is no fish there. But I love what Simon says. This is the best part. 
Nevertheless, ooh, that's powerful. At thy word, I will let down the net. You know the problem with us a lot of times? Is we think we know more than Jesus. The problem with us is we think that because we've studied, because we're well-scholared, because we have 16, 20 years of school, that we know better. When in reality, Jesus is telling us to do something, we're like, that, that makes absolutely no sense. I've been studying for so long. I've been doing this for so long. I know this very well. That makes no sense, Jesus. I've even been there. I've done that. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Listen to me. I submit to you, Evan, hope today that the problem we have with this generation, the reason why Jesus Christ hasn't come back, is we think we know it all. When in actuality, we're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. We need to see ourselves for our true condition where we really know absolutely nothing. And I love how Simon Peter, he, he says, it makes absolutely no sense. You're telling us to go to an area where there's probably no fishing channels or nothing else, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Look what happens when you listen to God, amen? Notice the next verse. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets broke. Now, I don't know how many times their nets have broken, but probably not before. They also probably had the latest fishing gear. They probably had the most duroplastic nets that won't break and can handle X amount of thousands of pounds of fish. And here, by divine appointment, they listen to God and their nets are breaking. Notice, more than their nets breaking, look what happens next. Verse 7. And they beckoned their partners, which are probably James and John, which were in the other ships, and they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they both began to what? What a haul! You know, when Jesus said, hey, let down your nets for a drought, for a haul, they probably weren't imagining so much that their nets are breaking, so much that a whole boat was sinking, not just one, but two. Friends, when we listen to Jesus, when we do it his way, we will be blessed above and beyond we can ever imagine. The problem is we think we can do things ourselves. We're out there fishing with one rod trying to catch one fish, and God wants to give us two truckloads of fish. So you have with this story, as we lay the premise for what we're going to study today, how many of us first are fishing in the shallow area? How many of us in our walk with the Lord are in the shallow? Jesus is asking us, asking me, why don't you take your relationship deeper? Why don't you go deeper with me today? Let's go to our next story. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Matthew 13, verse 1. And we're going to be looking at that word again, deep. In other words, translated as bothos in Greek, to be a mystery or to have death. Matthew 13, verse 1, the Bible says, notice we have a multitude of people again, verse 1, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. Seems like multitudes and seaside, a common theme here. 
And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into where? A ship. Similar story. Get to see a ship again. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke unto these things, unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came up and devoured them. Verse 5, we're going to concentrate on this group of people today. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And for with they sprung up because they had no what? Deepness. That word is bothos again. No depth. No depth of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. There are some people. I used to be in this category. Praise the Lord, I'm not. We know how to act like a Christian. We know how to dress like a Christian. We know how to eat the things a Christian would eat. Say the things a Christian would say. We get excited when we hear certain things about the Bible. But in actuality, you don't have a foundation. There's a lot of surface level Christians out there. And I, for 20 years of my life, was one of them. You know how to act the part. You know how to sing the songs, sing the hymns. But when it comes down to it, you don't have a relationship with Christ for yourself. When the sermon's over, your relationship with Christ is over. When the week of prayer is over, your week of prayer is over. When the Sabbath is over, you better believe your Sabbath is over too. Your, your relationship's over. That is not how God intended us to live the Christian life. God intended us to have a 24-7 Christian life. A continual week of prayer. A continual dwelling place with the Lord. And so we see here there's this group of people that the reason why they're not growing in their Christian faith is they have no depth. Now look down with me. Verse 18, we get the interpretation. Verse 18. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understand it not, then cometh the wicked one. And catcheth away the which was sown in his heart. This is which received by, this, by the wayside. So there is this group of people. And the moment they hear the word of God, they didn't allow it to germinate in their heart. Either they rejected it or they said, oh, that's not true. I don't believe it. And right then and there, that seed, the word of God, was snatched. But notice the next group. What is the next group? The next group of people. Verse 20. But he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receives it. So there's a group of people, maybe they go to Advent Hope, maybe they go to a week of prayer, maybe they hear a powerful speaker, maybe they hear a sermon on audio verse, whatever it is, and, and they're like, wow, this is, makes sense, this is good. But their Christian walk stops there. They don't go deeper with Jesus. They don't move forward in their Christian walk. And what happens is this. Verse 21. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word by and by, he is offended. That is sad. 
that we can actually be Christians, we can actually hear sermons, we can actually read the Word of God and have it not penetrate our hearts. That it is not planted deep. Hmm. I want us to go to Mark now. Mark makes some remarkable commentary on this. Mark chapter 4 on this story. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Now, this parable is so important, the parable of the sower and the seed, that Mark says that if you don't understand this parable, or Jesus actually says, Mark records it, you cannot understand the other parables. Notice with me verse 13. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable, and how then will you know all parables? So in other words, in order for us to understand deeper truths, in order for us to understand anything else in the Bible, in order for us to understand Daniel, Revelation, or go deeper in God's word, we must first understand the main premise of this parable. Continuing on, verse 14. The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which was sown in their hearts. Verse 16. And these are they which were likewise were sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word immediately, received it with what? Gladness. So there's a group of people who's actually going to receive the word of God with gladness. In other words, they're, going to, they're not going to hate truth. They're going to love it. They're going to say, wow, this makes sense. This is great. But here's the problem. Continuing on, verse 17. They have no what? Root. They're not grounded. They're not deep in God's word. They don't have that intimate relationship with him. They hear it. They like it. It's music to the ears. But it stops there. And I submit to you, Advent Hope, Jesus will never come unless we take our walk deeper. Before we as a church must be revived corporately, each one of us must be revived individually. Continuing on, they have no root in themselves and so they endure but for a while. Have any of you ever been a Bible worker at a crusade? Or maybe had a contact you're doing Bible studies with? And they hear a message and they're excited about it. And you're like, yes, this is awesome. And, and you're going through maybe some of the prophecies and, and they're getting excited and excited and excited. But then as you go deeper and deeper in God's words, all of a sudden, they're not home at the Bible study time. They don't pick up their phone with the phone number you gave them. They aren't showing up to those meetings anymore. You see them and, and it's not that same excited smile. It's, uh, hey, how's it going? It's an acquaintance, right? Here we see something. We see that they're this group of people, and I want to say majority people that, that I've come in contact with, that I've talked to, meetings in the plane, meetings witnessing to people are this group right here. They're, yes, I believe in a God. In fact, if they pulled all of America, and did you know that 90% of the people believe in God? 90%. That's a lot of people. 90% believe in God, but it stops right there. It's like, I believe in God, but, you know, I just want him to stay right there. I want to do my own thing. 
And so they believe in God. They have a, a somewhat of a knowledge of Him. In fact, if you share certain proverbs with them or a psalm with them, they're excited about, oh, yes, that's great. My business will, will, will be great. Or, yes, I can have wealth or health or whatever it is. But when they get down to the other things of the Bible, trials, tribulation. Oh, no, no, you know, I don't like that stuff. That's not for me. We call those buffet Christians. They pick and choose portions of the Bible that they like. And that's a, a common thing here is that I've met. And, and I remember growing up, that was something that I did before. It's like, well, I like the John 3.16 stuff, but I don't like the John 8.34 stuff that says, he that is sins is a servant of sin. I, I don't like that. Friends, we need to take the Bible for what it is. We need to take God at his word and the entire word. And so when we see here this, this group of people that they, if you look what happens, that they were afflicted and afterward af- a persecuted arises for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. Notice the other two groups. Verse 18. And these are they which were sown among thorns, such as they hear the word, and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entered in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Then finally we get to the good stuff. The best stuff. The good ground. Verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. You know, when Peter, when he was dialoguing with Jesus, and he said, Jesus, That does not make sense. You've said some good things. You know, at this moment, Jesus was beginning his Christian ministry and Jesus and Peter didn't fully have a close relationship yet. If you want to call it, they were like acquaintances. Yes, I'll I'll follow you. But Peter hadn't left everything and followed him till after that miracle. He was still getting to know Jesus. And so when Jesus said something as ridiculous as, hey, let's go over there. And Peter's like, wait a minute. There's no fish there. And cast out your nets. Wait a minute. We've been doing that all night. But he says, at your word, I'll do it. And I submit to you, Evan, hope that we as a people need to be that same willingness. We have to have that same willing spirit. That even though things don't make sense, at your word, we'll do it. And so we get to this good ground. Now, what does this good ground mean? Or what is good ground? Let's go back to Luke, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And let's go to verse 46. Now, for those of you who have studied Matthew and Luke in parallel with one another, we know that the Sermon of the Mountain is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you'll see that same thing here in Luke, Luke chapter 6. Sermon of the Mount still, same idea. And so here we are looking at verse 46, and notice what Jesus says, And why call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There's a lot of people here, they believe in God, 90% of Christians, right? They believe in God, and Jesus is saying, why are you calling me Lord, Lord? Why do you believe in me? Why do you believe in John 3.16? Why do you put a, a little fish on your bumper sticker? At the same time, you don't do the things which I say. Continuing on, verse 47. So how, again, we're asking, how do we get on that good ground? And what is that good ground? Whosoever comes to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Verse 48. He is like a man which built a house and digged what? Deep. 
Again, we're studying that word deep. Now, my whole life, until maybe just a couple of months ago, I saw this story like this. You know, we, we hear the story growing up that there's a house that's built upon sand, right? And then we have a house that's built upon the rock. And you've probably seen these, these nice pictures and it has this beautiful house and it's built upon a rock and you have the word courage or you have whatever the, the little saying is. And this whole time I thought that one person, one builder, saw a nice big rocky area. And he said, man, that is a nice place to build a house. He went there and he built his beautiful house on this big rock. And then I thought there was this another guy and, you know, he just saw a sandy area and he just said, well, I don't see anything wrong with this. I'm going to build my house here. And they're on two different locations. That's not how it goes. Let's study it. Let's look deep. He is like a man which built his house and digged what? So this man had to dig deep for it and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it for it was founded upon what? A rock. Notice the next one, verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth or sand, again, which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. This is what was happening, friends. We have a sandy area. It's this long, sandy area. There's a lot of dirt, and we have two builders. One decides to just say, you know what? It's a lot of work to dig. It takes too much time. I want my house now. And so this person just said, I'm just going to build my house right here. Nothing's going to happen to it. So he was probably joyful for a short time about his great house. For a short time, he was able to enjoy his mansion. But the other person, he didn't settle for this foundation built upon sand. He dig deep. He brought out the tractors and the bobcats and everything else. And he spent the extra money to dig deep. He dug out all the sand until it was solid rock. Advent hope that's what we need to do in our lives. We can't settle for none of this shallow Christian stuff. What we need to be do, what we need to do is dig deep. We can't settle for just a, a simple truth here and there and just take it as it is. No, we need to go deeper than that. God is calling us to be people after the word. God is calling us to know the word. Jesus is coming soon. And he's looking for a people and he asks the question, will he find faith on this earth? And the only way faith comes is by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. So I hope I submit to you again. That we cannot be shallow Christians. That we can't just settle for building our house on sand. That we need to go deeper than that. We need to take our Christian walk much further. I had the privilege of talking to a friend last week. And we both were going through a lot of things. I had a, a crazy schedule that I had to deal with. And, and this person also had a lot of things to deal with. And at the end of our conversation, I said, let me pray for you. Now, when it comes to prayer, I consider myself a student of the word. I've studied prayer. I know the ABCs of prayer, ask, believe, and claim. I know the one, two, threes of prayer, the conditions of prayer, the science of prayer. I know the ACTS acronym, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So when it comes to prayer, it's like a, 
It's like a formula. You know, our Father which art in heaven, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I prayed this prayer, and, and usually people say, you know, thank you, Michael, you know, thanks that, that will help me in my Christian walk. I, I really appreciate it. This person said, can I pray for you? And I said, sure. You know how this person started? Good evening, Father. Today was a windy day. This person began to open up as if talking to a friend. You know, I've read Steps to Christ and this quote that that seems to, to get me, this quote that Ellen White says, prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. And I've heard that quote so many times and I'm just like, well, how does that make sense? I mean, when I talk to my friend, I tell him how my day was and all these different things. And when I talk to God, it's formal. It's, it's this, shall I say, formula. And this person prayed and prayed for me. And, and you know what it felt like? I felt like the third wheel. I felt like I didn't belong in that prayer. It was like two close best friends who knew each other for many, many years and had such an intimate relationship with each other. And here's me, the outsider, with this box relationship of God. And this person, they prayed, and and this person did not know anything what happened. But when we were done with our conversation, it changed my prayer life. I realized that for, man, I don't know how many years I've been praying shallow prayers, even though they're long, they're repetitive, halfway asleep. Have you anyways tried praying on your bed and you're, you're trying to pray next thing you know you're asleep and then you wake up and your knees are really bad because you're six hours you're sleeping like on the, your bed like this? You're laughing with me because you've done it. And I'm like, Lord, I am so sick of a shallow prayer life. I'm so sick of it. And after that conversation, I, I remember it was already late and I'm like, oh, I need to pray. I went downstairs, I found a quiet place, and, and, I, and I just poured out my heart. And I said, Lord, I am so sick of this shallow stuff. Anyone can pray a prayer in front of the church where people can say, wow, this person knows how to pray. But do you have a prayer life where communicating, where you're opening your heart to God? That's the type of relationship God wants. That's the type of depth, the type of deepness we need to have. We need to be built upon the solid rock, built upon Christ. Let's go to our last story. I think you're going to like this one. John chapter 19. Now remember, Peter started off as an acquaintance with Christ. He kind of knew of him. John chapter 19. And let's turn with me to... Sorry, John chapter 21. John chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Excuse me. So we first started with a fishing story. We're going to end with a fishing story today. John chapter 21, verse 1. The Bible says, After these things, remember, Jesus has just died, crucified on the cross. The disciples don't know where he is now. They don't know if he's resurrected yet. John chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and as the wise showed he himself. 
So John is making a commentary of how this is the first moment that Jesus is going to show himself to the disciples. So this is exciting stuff. We get to see for the first time, the disciples get to see Christ. Verse 2. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, we also go with you. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately and they caught how much? Does this sound familiar? Are they, do you think they're really bad fishermen or is Jesus going to, you know, try to prove a point here? So they caught nothing again, and notice what happens next, verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. You know, I believe that Jesus has a sense of humor. How about you? I believe that Jesus finds joy in seeing us laugh. And watch this, verse 5. This is good. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? Now, Jesus knows better. He knows they caught nothing. We'll see at the, what happens next in the story. But it's, he's telling, hey, have you guys caught anything? And it's almost like a defeated thing they have to say. No. Verse 6. And he said unto them, look at this. Cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. Now, the moment someone would have told me that word, I would have said, there is only one person who would do that to me. Jesus could have said, hey guys, it's me, Jesus. I'm here, I'm alive. But he chose a different way to reveal himself. He says, cast your net on the other side and you'll catch fish. Verse 7. Oh, sorry, continuing on. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Here's where we get good. Verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his father's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. I want you to notice something here. It is early in the morning. I guarantee you that water is cold. Here we have Peter, and the Bible says he's naked, and he's just, it's, it's early in the morning, the water's cold. Who knows how far that boat is? But when he hears that it is Jesus, notice what happens. He cast himself into the sea. Did you guys get that? He didn't care about the fishes anymore. You see, in our first story, we have Peter. They caught nothing. And Jesus said, cast your, let's go into the deep. Put your net out there and you're going to catch a lot of fish. They caught a lot of fish, and Peter was so thankful, said, you must be the Lord, we'll drop everything we have, we'll follow you. But now, after three years of spending time with Jesus, of knowing Jesus, of betraying Jesus, which every one of us in this room have done too, we see here that he sees his loving, merciful Savior on the seashore, and even how cold it was, even how early in the morning it was, He couldn't wait for the boats. The boats couldn't get there fast enough. He had to jump out of the the boat, swim to Jesus. Didn't even care about the fish anymore. That's how we need to be. A lot of times Jesus will allow things in our lives. Will grant us certain blessings in the beginning. Will allow us to have certain success in life. He loves us and he wants the best for us. 
But when it comes down to it, more than those success or blessings or whatever God has blessed us with, He wants your heart. He wants you. The question is asked, can God build a rock greater than He can lift? A lot of people who don't believe in evolution or in creation, a lot of people who make fun of Christians, they seem to ask this never-ending question of, can God build a rock that he can't lift? And I've thought about that, and I've stumbled across that, and I've heard different people give their their explanations, and someone said, well, that's impossible, that's against God's character, God would never do something like that. And then I heard the best explanation not too long ago. Someone said to me, Mike, God can build a rock that he can't lift. I was like, what? Never heard that before. God can build or make a heart that can be hardened so hard that even he himself can't soften it. God loves us so much. He's given us this free will of choice. He's given each one of us a heart. And with the choices we make, we can choose to harden our hearts so hard that even all of heaven can't penetrate our hearts. Let's not wait for that, friends. Let's give our hearts to Jesus now. Let's be built upon the solid rock. My appeal for you is simple. How many of us here, we are sick and tired of this shallow Christian experience? We're sick and tired of this one-word scripture we're doing in the morning. We're sick and tired of maybe going to our bed and our 30-second prayer and saying, Lord, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to pray before I go to bed and before I eat. How many of us want to take that to a next level today? Amen? Just raise your hands with me. Let's bow our hands. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much. Thank you so much that you love us, that you want what's best for us, that you've blessed us in abundant ways. But Lord, we want to give you something today, and that's our hearts. Lord, our hearts are wicked, despicable, desperately wicked. And we want to give that heart to you so you can replace it with a heart of flesh. I want to pray especially for each person under the sound of my voice today that we will take our walk with you seriously. Take it to another level. Lord, I am guilty of a shallow relationship with you. I've been so busy. So, Father, I want to pray for each person in this room, and myself included, that you do whatever it takes to help us to have a deep relationship with you. If someone here must, if you must do things to, to allow them to have more free time, maybe you can wake them up earlier in the morning. Do whatever it takes, Father, because we yearn to have that deep closeness, that deep relationship with you. We thank you again for all that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.